Welcome to OOO, Out of Office, a La Vie travel podcast, where we chat all things travel and travel planning to help you best optimize your precious PTO. I'm your own personal vacation planning bestie, Capricorn and podcast host, Madison Mazio. I'm a travel-obsessed travel agent chatting with everyday travelers to uncover hidden gems of cities, restaurants, and experiences that you won't find with a simple Google search because life is too short to eat bad food on vacation. Welcome to this week's episode of OOO Out of Office. I'm your host, Madison Mazio. It is a Tuesday. Remember, it's the best time to book flights. So make sure if you have a trip you want to go book, you check out those rates right now. Just kidding. Not right now. Listen to this first. The true source of my planning obsession actually came from our guest here today. She has been to so many countries. She's lived in Cameroon, Africa. She's a third generation New Orleans, Louisiana, born and raised. She is truly the greatest human I know. My mom, Mama Mia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Madison. Glad to be here. I am so glad to have you here. My mom is my bestie. I'm a mama's girl. And I actually grew up watching my mom plan trips and obviously having the absolute privilege to go on trips with you, mom. Mm -hmm. And we are going on a really big trip together. Do you want to tell everybody where we're going next? We are going to France this summer and it will be another exciting European adventure that will be the most well-planned trip ever because it's the two of us planning now. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We have our TripIt apps synced together, multiple Google Docs. I think we have a Canvas situation going. We've got this. Absolutely. So how did you get into travel planning? Because as long as I can remember, you've been on, you know, the second TripAdvisor came out. I feel like you were their first user. So that's a great question. I was thinking about being on your podcast and thinking historically what travel planning has looked like. And I think it's like, looks so different throughout my whole life, but it starts back from my mom. I mean, my mom, your grandma was always a traveler and really started traveling when we moved overseas when I was 12 years old. And so when we were overseas, I'd watch my mom with these travel books. They were like big, giant travel books. And she'd have a highlighter and she'd like put little marks in it and fold the corners over. And we would have a lot of input in terms of things that we wanted to see when we were at places. And so I grew up knowing that trips were well-planned. You know, I have friends who, when they think about traveling, they think of lots of autonomy and no plans. And that is not in my vocabulary because that's not how it's raised. And my mom was always one to have some kind of plan. I always was taught that, you know, seeing the world is opportunities. And so you want to take those opportunities. And that's kind of what I grew up knowing about travel. I I think it also changed with travel when I was a teacher And I always then had to base my travel on summer break. And a lot of times when people think about summer, you automatically think about how you're going to spend your time. And I was just always in the cycle of planning the next trip. What's going to be next summer? I always had a preferred destination in my head. And it became a hobby too. 
it, it, in some ways for me, it was my downtime. It was my way to decompress and, you know, think about, you know, where would I want to go? What would I want to see? Even though many times I planned tons of trips that I never took because it was just a hobby. I had at one point like 52 trips in my carts and all kinds of different different apps or websites because I liked shopping for trips. I liked planning and thinking about the possibilities. Uh, and so it was always just part of you know my regular experience and always wanting to make sure we had a summer vacation because I grew up with my very best memories being on trips. And so even when I look back, when we had the least amount of money, like some kind of trip had to be in the plans because that's what you remember. That's what you remember about your childhood. And so I wanted to make sure we always had good memories of summer. Oh my goodness. Yes, that is where you remember. And now I've completely become you. Like when you're talking about just having trips in your shopping cart for fun, I mean, oh my goodness, my booking.com. I'll straight up book something, but not have it booked. So for those of you who haven't utilized booking.com, I actually turned my mom into booking.com. What's really cool about it is you can book something without putting any money down and with free cancellation and kind of have it on hold until you figure out if you can actually go there. Now, I don't recommend that unless you actually are intending on going, obviously, but I completely relate to you. I feel like though that saying that you're going to become your parents, you're going to become your parents because I have become you my downtime. It's totally travel planning. And I have definitely had times when I'm like, did I cancel those plans? Did I actually? So it's always good to make sure you put some kind of reminder if you uh, have a seven-day cancellation and you book more things than you can actually do. Absolutely. I actually, in my last trip to London, I went to go to Stonehenge and I wasn't sure if I wanted to go because it was kind of a drive. I think it was about two hours. So the day before I was like, oh, can I cancel? I don't know if I want to go. And sure enough, the time had overlapped when I could cancel. So I was like, well, guess I'm going. I'm so glad I, I went. I made great friends. It was really cool. It was by a freeway, which was interesting. But otherwise, I had a really good time and I'm glad I went. But that's definitely a fun pay attention. I didn't, I didn't know that Stonehenge is actually right by a freeway. It's hilarious. And it, there's so much traffic, actually, because the cars who don't want to pay to go in are slowing down to get the pictures. So there's so much traffic going in. I was trying to get some cool, you know, Instagram shot of like the sheep are in around Stonehenge all walking in a row, but it looks so ridiculous because there's all these cars and traffic in the background. It's a no. yes. Yeah. Okay. So with travel planning, I feel like I'm really interested to hear what you say about this because I wonder how our processes are, if they're similar, if they're different. How do you think people should start or at least how do you start? Where's your starting point? What is your process for choosing the destination, itinerary? What's the order of operations? So I look at this in a couple of different ways. First of all, I think about there's a difference between trips and a vacation. And I start with, do I want to go on a trip or do I want a vacation? And a trip to me is like where you're going to experience a place, a country, a region. Your purpose is to explore, to learn about the area, maybe experience culture, history, gastronomy, all of those things. And you probably will spend your time 
visiting a lot of locations and places. However, when I think about a vacation, I think about a vacation as being someplace that I'm going to stay in one place. I'm not going to be jumping around and I'm really going to experience the resort and I'm not going to have a lot of things scheduled. I actually like both trips and vacations, but they serve different purposes. And depending on what I'm looking for at the time, that's going to be kind of where I'm going to choose my itinerary. When I think about a resort, I'm usually trying to consider a new locale that I haven't been to. I I try not to go to the same places over and over again, but sometimes I have. And when I plan for a resort, I'm going to spend the bulk of my time planning the specific resort and location. And then really, I don't have a lot to do after that because everything is in one place and I'm not going to be doing the day-to-day. I'm going to decide what I'm going to do based on the menu of activities at the resort when I get there. However, if I'm planning a trip where I'm really interested in seeing a lot of things and generally when I'm planning a trip, it's more days, it's more locations. So it's going to start with where are some of those things on my bucket list? What are some of the places that I know I want to go? So for example, our France trip, I've had that in my head since about 2020 that I knew Mm -hmm that uh, after we went to Florence and spent time in Italy, I wanted to go back to Europe and I wanted to go back to a country that I had been before, but perhaps my husband and my daughter hadn't gone. And so I wanted to find um, a, a location or a place that I truly loved, which was France. And then from there, I kind of go through the process of What are the must sees or what are the must do's that I want to do? And then I do a lot of research in terms of spending time on websites, uh, spending time on podcasts like this one or other podcasts to hear about other people's travels and to kind of narrow down what are the important takeaways. And and for this upcoming trip, really for me, there's a a lot of balance between wine and different regions and the Riviera, some things that I hadn't visited before, but that I want to experience uh, with family that, that we're going with. So when I think about the, in terms of choosing, I generally, I kind of alternate one summer's a trip, one summer's a, a vacation because I do like both. And I think when I have, because I have an educator schedule, I do a lot of the planning around people who have time off at the same time I do. So sometimes that trip planning or deciding where we're going to go, it's a collaborative effort. So even, you know, knowing that we wanted to start in France, you know, hearing from, you know, other people that will be on our trip with us, you know, where, what other regions do you want to go to? What do you know about those regions? Where do you want to, what's, what's the purpose of visiting different places? And then sometimes even with my friend group that we travel with, we're always planning the next vacation when we're on our current vacation. It's always the yeah. before we leave the resort, we need to know when and where is our next resort. And we do that with couples trips too. I have a friend group that we do couples trips 
And we always planned, we did New Orleans in January. And at the New Orleans trip, we decided, okay, our next couple's trip is Nashville. And so we try to plan the location and the time frame so that everybody kind of has it on their radar uh, before we leave. So we can make sure people get the time off, they know when we're going and they can they can plan ahead. I still have FOMO from that New Orleans trip as someone who's been <laughs> to New Orleans with you so many times. I actually said on our first episode of our podcast that I think we are some of the best people to talk uh, to about New Orleans recommendations. Jennifer, who was on the podcast, listed Commander's Palace as her favorite meal of all time. And it was I, our recommendation. Yes, absolutely. That's a must. There's a must. <laughs> Essential. Okay. So another thing that I know about you is you are extremely savvy when it comes to budgeting for travel. And I feel like I, I'm not at your level yet, but I, I've learned a lot from you. And I, I want to know what you think some of the biggest mistakes people make when they're planning and budgeting for travel and how they can avoid them. So I would guess that you growing up would never have realized that we had a budget for travel or (laughs) I plan travel based on a budget, right? You wouldn't know that as a child, but I have always set a budget for what we're going to spend. It's just, you know, kind of how I operate. I, I do feel like traveling is a luxury and it's a luxury that I can't live without. So it's a luxury and it's a necessity. So you have to plan. And so some of the first things is, you know, making sure you set a budget that's realistic. There have been times where, you know, some of the times when I've gone back to a place and not experienced a new place, it's because it was the the trip or the vacation that was in the budget. And that's okay. Um, And then there are other times when we had more means to be able to do something bigger. But even whether it's a small budget or a big budget, there's a budget. So there's a plan and it has to be realistic. You know, we were not during doing European vacations when you were in elementary school. It wasn't a realistic budget item for us at the time, but we planned trips and vacations that had lots of great memories based on what we could afford um, and tried to make them as meaningful as possible. So the way I kind of think of it is you have to do all the research on your destination that you're considering. And there's a lot of stretch destinations that you can look at. And when you find and talk, and I know we will talk about some of the cost saving tips, you can make some of your stretch locations a reality, but it may look different than um, certain trips. You may have to pick some items that are splurge items or not so much. Um, But I always want to make sure that when I'm planning a vacation or a destination, I'm looking at all of the potential cost. And it's easy to say, well, I just saw on Expedia that the cost of this vacation is X amount. But really, there's so many other costs that go into it that you have to be realistic. So, for example, it's not just air and hotels. You have to think about the transfers um, and you have to consider um, how far the different locations are. You have to consider what is the the average hotel cost or food cost in that area and really be thinking about how am I going to spend my days because I'm definitely not one that wants to go someplace and not being able to experience what I want to experience. And so I'm always thinking about that. I Something that I've had from 
the beginning of time, I think, is a savings account marked travel. And it's just another extra account that's attached to our regular savings account. And and that's I use that really when I know that I'm planning a trip. And it's kind of like my mind game that I play with myself in that I know I want to have this trip. So I am going to make sure that I am saving whatever that looks like uh, in that account. And that way, when I go to buy plane tickets or I go to pay for the hotel or Airbnb, I'm taking that money out of the account. And it's almost like to me that it's free at that point because I've like already put the money in savings and I'm not missing it because it was just earmarked um, for that. And I like to pay as much up front um, as possible on when I'm planning a vacation. So I will use that account. And sometimes like I know that and I because I've done the summer travel being an educator, I kind of know I have 12 months to plan for my trip. And that means I have 12 months to think about the budget and uh, and what I need to set aside to make that happen. So as you were a little kid, I was saving all year long to make sure you could ride the horses in Maui or that you <laughs> could, you know, do the parasailing in Aruba so that I could make sure that I spent, you know, that what was in the budget for that. I also um, know that when I am thinking about the budget, different years, you know, like this is a big splurge year going to Paris and going to France. And I can also say that, you know, some years, like it's not going to be a splurge year. There was a big wedding last year. And so (laughs) I don't know what wedding you're talking about. Last year was not the splurge budget for the vacation, um, but that's okay because that's that's part of. Um, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! Excuse me. Did you go to Barbados last year? Did go to Barbados, <laughs> but there's a lot of budget planning that went into that Barbados trip, and that's another one of my budget secrets. Is I do believe a budget secret for people wanting to do a vacation, which is, you know, kind of staying at one resort, all inclusives can really help your budget. And yeah, we, I knew exactly how much it was going to cost. There was going to be no extras on top of that. We did no excursions. We didn't need to do excursions because we literally were just um, snorkeling off of the resort and the all inclusive also had some of their own types of excursions included. So that's another budget tip is, you know, you know, one way to take a great vacation and stay on budget is to do an all-inclusive because there's no surprises with that. I also think when I am planning for a trip, knowing kind of the region and planning the dates and times that I'm going to work around that, because for example, a weekend in Paris is going to be a lot, much more expensive than the weekdays in Paris. So of the regions that we're visiting in France this year, I planned where we're going based on the cost of lodging because lodging in France is one of our biggest expenses. It also, and I know you have shared this in some of your other trips, tips and podcasts about dates of travel. Uh, I we're leaving for Paris on a Sunday. I would have much rather 
to have left on my first day off, which would have been Saturday. Uh, but the airfare leaving on Sunday and airfare coming back on a Thursday were far cheaper than for me to do a Saturday or a Friday. So those are things that I always consider in the budgeting. I also think about, you know, really having an idea of penciling out during my day-to-day expenses. So I try to maybe have a certain number of a certain number of tours that we're going to do and know exactly how much those are because those tend to be more expensive. An example, when we were in Florence, you know, we did a private tour of Tuscany with wine tasting and we did a private cooking lesson. Those are the two big expense items of the trip, but I sandwich those in in a lot of free days. So days that we were just visiting low-cost museums or we were visiting churches, we were doing our own little walking tours. Um, so I budget based on making sure like I fill the time with items that are important to me, but then also some low-cost items too. I never want to have a big bill after I come back from a trip because I I don't want to have to live with the cost. So I often have a funding source for like, how am I going to pay for the cost during the trip? So for example, when I worked summer school one year, that's when we went to Aruba. And I knew that when we came back from Aruba, I was going to take my summer school check and pay for the uh, credit card bill that we used. And so that's some of the ways that I like make sure that I'm thinking about the budget. And it's always less stressful to me to travel and know that I am within my budget. And that allows me to keep traveling and to, you know, make sure that it's it doesn't seem stressful when I return and I continue the the glow of the vacation afterwards. Totally. Oh my gosh. You gave so much good advice there. I feel like I operate very similarly. I like to buy things in chunks. So for me, I get the dates and airfare first. I'm much like you. I usually I'll fly on like a Wednesday, buy my tickets on a Tuesday, as you all have heard me say till the cows come home. I also then pay off the hotel and then pay off the excursions. And then I have my food budget per day. So usually I almost kind of have everything in buckets and have a budget in each bucket and then whatever rolls over. So say I had a thousand dollars in my airfare bucket and I got a crazy deal and I'm going to Italy for $600. That $400 then goes to my lodging bucket. And if I got a deal on lodging and I still have $400, that goes into my excursion. Say I skip excursions. I never skip excursions. That's not going to happen. So (laughs) say I I save on excursions though. I, I have more in my food. So then instead of just eating street food the whole time, I might get a a tasting menu somewhere. Though I feel like so many of the foodie destinations, we actually just posted a blog post on lobbytravelco.com today about the top foodie destinations. So many of the top foodie destinations are the foodie destinations because of their street food that is phenomenal, that's filling, that's affordable, that's healthy. I mean, I think of that panino we had in Florence that we just walked down the street and saw there was a big line and it was like one of the best sandwiches of our life. Absolutely. 
same with like every region has great street food. And no matter what, even if you're only experiencing the street food one day, um, I think that's part of the culture and climate that allows you to like experience the, the region well. Even going in their grocery stores and saving money, getting, you know, your own cheese board instead of uh, like a board at Aperitivo, you're golden. And even excursions, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of ways to shop around for excursions and you can experience a region and go on an excursion. You can do a cheaper, more affordable way of doing something like a large group tour or a bus tour. And then if you're looking for a more luxury budget, you could do a private tour. One of the great things about traveling with other people, you can do small group tours for a group of five or seven and get a great private tour that is very cost efficient as compared to the per person amount that you might pay in a large tour. But the the large tours are, are, are affordable and accessible. Absolutely. Actually, Jennifer and I were talking about how solo travel, it's such a great idea to do the large tours because one, you're around more people safety-wise or making more connections. Two, it's a lot more effective. But when you're on couples trips or you know with a small group, it totally makes sense to either opt for the small group or private if you know, you're splitting it up. Okay. So how do you think travelers can maximize their experience in a destination while minimizing costs? What are some examples? Yeah. So a couple of things that I think about walking, obviously the city, and I know I I think we were like at 25,000 steps every day when we are visiting a new place. And so I think that's a great thing. But one of the things I love to do is check the local tourism sites and the office of tourism, just to kind of see where some of the particular cultural events might be. Those are often... Mm -hmm. Where do they have street music? Where is there nightlife that's just kind of spilling on the streets or artists performing? One of the things, for example, in our trip this summer, Aix-en-Provence has a very famous farmer's market on Saturday. And I mean, it's kind of quintessential farmer's market in Provence. Like you have to hit that. So of course, it's a free opportunity and I made sure that when I was planning our itinerary that we were going to be staying over on a Saturday. And then also using some of the local tours, there's private or walking tours provided by individuals, locals that do it just for a donation. Like you definitely want to give a donation, but it's donation based. But there's also so many walking apps and, you know, the walking apps continue to get better and you kind of use your phone to get you to a place and you click on the button and somebody, a local person will tell you what you're seeing. So that's another way to maximize, you know, the, the destination. I always, no matter what, ask locals, people when we're visiting any place, what do they recommend that we see and where to eat? Even if I have the best laid plans, when you're talking to someone on a bus or you're talking to someone on a plane who's going home to Paris and you ask those questions, you can kind of take a detour and you're probably pretty guaranteed that it's going to be a great place. And many times the less touristy restaurants or less touristy places to visit are lower cost because the the higher the level of tourism, often with supply and demand, you have so many people that are vying for those spots. 
I also think it's something that happens for me is to be flexible with the people that you're traveling with when this is a way that I think about minimizing costs and you know maximizing the experience. Everyone that you're traveling with may have different interests and different ways they like to experience new places. And I think it is, I'm always absolutely fine to say some of us may do this, some of us may do that. And I think that comes from my, when I was growing up and we would, my mom would literally drag us to every museum. Now I have such an appreciation for museums, but at the time I was not the best teenager and I would complain about being at the Prado or whatever. Walking too far to get to the Eiffel Tower. Yes. And the Louvre was many days, but I, we had a lot of choices too. And so I have looked and said, okay, when we're traveling, if my husband doesn't want to go to walk the top of the stairs at the Duomo, then he shouldn't have to walk the stairs. If he wants to enjoy a cappuccino at a cafe while we do that, let's make sure that everybody's experience is the best. Another example for me with traveling with families I I always wanted to consider my time so that I didn't feel like I was so overscheduled as a mom, feeling like I always had to be the tour guide. I always had to be in charge. So kind of dividing and conquering. So you're going to take her parasailing today and I'm going to sit on the beach and I'm going to enjoy some (laughs) solo time. And then, you know, I, or I'm going to take the sunrise excursion in Maui and you're going to get to take a nap, whatever it might be. I think making sure that everybody you're traveling with has some choices to make sure that they have an experience that they find memorable and not, not always wanting to push my itinerary on everyone else, but I'm never going to say no to the things I want to do also, but you can stay in the hotel if you don't want to (laughs) go. Well, and you know that I always want to go. <laughs> yes, yes. There, I will always have a travel partner and someone willing to see and do everything. I think I think we were walking the, the streets of Florence late at night and early in the morning. And we saw twice as many sites as everybody else that we were with because we just wanted to continue to explore. Our hot girl walks. Yeah, they were they were going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm still trying to convince her to join me on a helicopter ride in Monaco. I haven't got her on that yet, but if you think she should go, comment on our latest Instagram. (laughs) Mom needs to go in the helicopter. So I did watch a recent, it wasn't a recent, it was a, a previous episode of The Amazing Race where they do the Monaco helicopter ride. So you might want to check out that. I think it's season 26. <laughs> okay. Hey, I will. I will. So speaking more kind of about budget, how can people who want a luxury experience, experience luxury on a budget? Because, you know, you're really bougie. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things I would say, I think sometimes you have to invest a lot of time in trying to find that luxury vacation and still trying to have some kind of budget. A lot of times doing the bundle thing allows you to have more luxury. So for example, you know, Costco, you can get a package at Costco and it may seem like it costs more But when you actually cost it out separately, you could be getting an upgraded room with an ocean view or golf or 
more luxury items because it's bundled with Costco. So that's one thing I always look at how if I can bundle things, I'm generally going to be able to get more. I've done that even too with Expedia, where by booking one night of a cheaper hotel just for a portion of the travel, I got a lower airfare, which allowed me to spend more on our Airbnb. That was a luxury Airbnb because I saved money on our airfare by having one night of hotel attached to the Expedia. And we never even stayed at that hotel, but it was a much cheaper rate. The other thing is I, I've done is I've shortened my time in a destination and you're always one to spend as much time. Like if I'm saying we're going to do seven days, you're like, no, I'm going to do nine days. I'm going to do 10 days, um, which is happening <laughs> in this trip coming up. You, you extend it. Um, I do. But in my budgeting and thinking about luxury, it's often about shorting, shortening the time. So for example, I think um, it's just been common sense for me to look at it that way. I really want to stay in this amazing place. I really want to experience it. So our 20th anniversary trip, we went to South Beach in Miami and I wanted to stay at the Ritz-Carlton and I wanted an oceanfront room and I wanted concierge level. I knew exactly what I wanted. But I also knew that I wasn't going to be able to do that for a whole week. So it was a five-day trip, um, but it was incredible because it was all luxury the entire time. The other thing is I think you can stay, at, which I feel you could stay at a better hotel, a luxury hotel, and not get that room with a view. There's a huge difference in premiums on different room types. And I think if you're going to stay at a luxury hotel, and you have the view of the air conditioner or the parking lot, but really you're not spending a lot of time in your room. You're spending time on those real common spaces and you're spending time with the resort or the hotel itself in all of the, the lovely locations. So it's okay to reduce your amount that you're going to spend on your room by not necessarily choosing the best room in this resort, but choose a better resort with a lower quality room. I also have done where kind of sandwiching a luxury night or two in a major destination with a couple of nights at a moderate hotel. So I can do a couple of nights of, because I want to be in this location in Paris and experience La Marais, and then know that the next destination it's not as so much about a luxury hotel or location because we're going to be spending a lot of time out in the countryside. So sandwiching a luxury night or two with a moderate hotel still gives you that sense of luxury. And so I think those are, you know, some of the ways that you can still have a, a luxury vacation. We also, you know, planning meals. You can have, you know, some local cuisine that may be a lower cost or planning one or two of the, the big meals out. And then also knowing, you know, some of the other meals you might use for your street food or other things that will allow you to stay in budget. Absolutely. I feel like our honeymoon is a very good example of both of those things. We chose when we were in Positano to have the really nice five-star hotel that was on the beach because of the location because of the pool, because we didn't want to go up all the stairs because we already knew we'd be going up so many stairs. And when it came to meals, 
our really special two-star Michelin meal in Ischia. And then our favorite meal ended up being the meal at our three-star hotel that we loved that was family-owned and an oasis. So I think you can have so many surprises, pleasant surprises too, by not always going with the luxury experience. And what, and kind of too, what is your definition of luxury? Because mm. for example, one of the, the things I hope to do on our first day in Paris is to pack a fabulous picnic and go to the park and right by the Eiffel Tower. So I've done a lot of research on the best picnic places to see the Eiffel Tower, but a fantastic, you know, bottle of rosé and some high-end picnic foods, that's luxury to me. So some of that will just kind of depend on what your definition of luxury is too. Yeah, we're in Paris. That's that's the luxury. Yeah, true, <laughs> we're in Paris. True. True. Okay, I have one more question for you before we ask our quintessential OOO questions and get into would you rather. Talk to the beginning about watching your mom highlight, you know, destinations and dog-earing pages in a book. How has technology changed the way people have planned, how you planned a budget for travel? What are some useful tools, apps, resources available? So you mentioned earlier that I turned you on to TripIt and that I love because I TripIt is one that at least lets me see all the trips I have planned and allows me to have one place to keep all of my itineraries and be able to share it. But when I'm thinking about planning and particularly for budget travel, I TripAdvisor has still been my number one go-to when I'm looking to review resorts. I like to read reviews. I like to read traveler reviews and I like to see real pictures that people took on the travel. So the first thing I go to on TripAdvisor is to look at the pictures that actual people took. So traveler photos is the way it's labeled. I also used uh, TripAdvisor to put in keywords in their reviews. So for example, I traveled many a Caribbean vacations in the last 10 years where there was a seaweed problem. And (laughs) she was so pissed. It totally, you heard me talk about vacations and I really look forward to my vacations and to have it ruined by seaweed and not be able to go in the ocean, which is so important to me on a vacation um, was disheartening. So I learned how to really use the search key in the reviews. So I put in things like beach, seaweed. When we went to Barbados last summer, I had researched every resort in Barbados with the word seaweed. And what I found was on the West Coast in kind of the central area of the West Coast, there was no seaweed. South of that, there was seaweed. So I picked my resort based on all of the things I read in the reviews. The other things I've done is like, for example, volleyball is an important sport for some of my friends that I travel with at a resort. Yes. And I will put in the search volleyball. And if people say there's no volleyball or like that volleyball was great, I know that it's available because maybe I couldn't find it on the website. Um, So I definitely use TripAdvisor. Another one that I used forever was oyster.com. That is similar in that when you're looking at certain destination, it gives pros and cons. It gives the traveler photos and it you know provides a lot of real-time information. And yes, it used to be books, but I still like a good travel book every now and then when I'm looking for places or travel blogs are another way, certainly podcasts. 
for restaurants, it's still Yelp. Even in Europe, you can use Yelp to find restaurants and good restaurants that way. Just like I okay, would. my thing with Yelp is I feel like it's a starting point, and then I need to check their work on Google TripAdvisor and their Instagram tags. Like yeah, I need. I yeah, you, you need like one more confirmation or two more confirmations because I don't know, something's a little sus about Yelp, but I still use it religiously. Yelp, please don't be upset with me. Yes, I totally agree. And I, I think when you have, when you see things rated highly in multiple places and even kind of what people say about it, you know, so a lot of times if I read a review, I'll be like, why are you complaining? Because the elevator took this long. Like, if that's your only complaint about this fabulous hotel, like I'm okay with that. Um, yes. And, and I, I also know that I have to read the reviews to see what's going to be doable for me. So for example, the Dominican Republic and Punta Cana, one of the places we stayed, they talked about the resort was so expansive that like you might have to take a golf cart to place to place. That wasn't a problem for me. I was going to make sure we had a room close to the beach. But if we had to take a golf cart to get to dinner, that didn't concern me or I like the walk. So that was, you know, another. So using the reviews to like think about what people are complaining about. So if I gave it three stars because the elevator was slow or I gave it three stars because there's a lot of children and that doesn't bother me. I like kids around. Then I'm okay with it. I love that. Okay, we're going to get into the most fun part of the episode. Where is your favorite city that you have ever been thus far and why? Oh, I would have to say, I think Florence. I loved Florence. It is my all-time favorite city. And interestingly enough, it was 2019 was the first time I'd been to Florence. And I feel like I've done a lot of traveling through my life and I absolutely loved Florence. I think it actually has to be mine too. I haven't confirmed mine yet on this episode. It, it you know, my favorite country for sure so far is Italy and it it's really hard to go kind of between the Paestum coastal area, Ischia and Florence, but I think Florence as well as my number one. It, I don't know. It's really hard if I have to commit, but I made you commit. So yeah, I'm committing to Florence and like Florence is one, like I could visit over and over again. Like a lot of times I don't want to visit a place that I've already been, but I feel like I could visit Florence over and over again. And I feel like I could rent an apartment or Airbnb for a month and never get bored and would enjoy every second. Let's go next year. <laughs> I have That's that my goal. <laughs> Fair. And what is the best meal you have ever had on a trip or vacation? Oh, well, I feel like I'm with Jen Buell. Like, absolutely. Jazz brunch, hands down, at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. And I would actually say, I would even be more specific. We did the jazz brunch for my graduation years ago. And it was it, you and Eric were with us and my parents were with us. And I, and my, we had just, uh, my best friend was with us. So I had everyone around the table that I loved. And so it was the most amazing meal, not just because of the food and the music and how it made everyone feel, but it was the people around the table that really made it special. 
Oh my goodness. I'm not going to lie. If you didn't say that meal, I was going to be a little concerned because that was such a magical meal that I'll also cherish forever. Yeah. Yeah. Until we celebrate your graduation in Paris and that will be the next best meal. Yes, we are actually celebrating my graduation in Paris. So I can't wait for that one too. But I'll be missing my favorite son-in-law there. So that was my thought too. He's a- Absolutely. Okay. So would you rather time? I love this, especially with you. I feel like we're so alike in some ways and then other ways we just completely go in opposite ways. So I'm curious to see. Would you rather miss your flight or lose your luggage? Lose my luggage. Okay, I said that too. We actually asked this question on Jen's episode and she said, Miss Blake, because you'll get a new one. I can buy what's in my luggage in moments. I I sent you to Walmart in Mexico to get all your stuff when our luggage was lost. I wouldn't want to miss one second of vacation for me. Like my vacation time is too critical. I can't miss a second. I completely agree with you, mom. I Absolutely agree with you. Okay. Would you rather go to the Maldives or Tahiti? Maldives. No question. Same. That's kind of our dream trip, just so you all know. Yes. we're And we will go there. Oh, we are going there. Would you rather eat mediocre food your entire vacation, but stay in the best hotel of your life? Or eat the best food every day, your entire vacation, but have a mediocre hotel. Oh, best food, mediocre hotel. Okay. So far, we're pretty much alive. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, definitely. Because, you know, I would, if you said like in a, a hostel or something, I'd be like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not going to stay in a hostel, but a, a mediocre hotel, I've stayed in enough mediocre hotels. I paid good money for mediocre hotels and that's fine as long as I can spend the time in the area that we're visiting and, and great food because great food's about sharing that with others too. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, if anything, my logic is, you know, you just don't stay at the hotel then, then you're just going to have to, that that means you're going to turn your vacation into a trip. I think it would be a pretty big bummer if it was a resort versus, Mm. you know, a hotel, like you were saying, a trip versus a vacation. Do you think that would change your answer a little bit? Well, I will say like I have stayed at mediocre hotels with pretty crappy food and still had the best vacation. So, you know, I, I think it would be fine. It's kind of like, where you are and who you're with, but I'm, I'm okay with mediocre hotels. I am too. I am too. Would you rather get stuck with mosquitoes in your room or get stuck with a really dirty bathroom? Oh my gosh. No, I absolutely not. I cannot do a dirty bathroom ever. No, I would have already walked out of the hotel. No, no dirty bathrooms. Not going to happen. Okay, but don't you think the dirty bathroom could be fixed much more easily than mosquitoes? No, I, I'm not going to allow either. Okay. I will be writing a Yelp review or <laughs> no, no, can't have it. I, no, I can get some spray. I cannot have a dirty bathroom. 
And last one. Would you rather ski the Swiss Alps or go to the most beautiful beach in Hawaii for a week? I've already skied the Swiss Alps and I've gone to the most beautiful beach in Hawaii and I would pick the most beautiful beach in Hawaii again. Kanapali in Maui, I would pick. Oh my goodness. Well, I would pick that I'm always going to go for water. I'm always going to go for water. Yeah, same, same. I will always pick a tropical destination. Okay, and then I'm going to add an extra one. This isn't a would you rather. This is just in general. What is your number one bucket list travel related situation? Bucket list travel related situation. So it could be lying yeah. on the beach, a specific okay. beach. It could be so I would Everest. say I would say my thing would be to experience as many Caribbean islands, a variety of Caribbean island vacations, resort vacations as possible. And my other thing would be to be able to spend a like three months a year where each month is at a different country or location, renting an apartment and just living life in that destination. Can I come? Can I yeah, quit my yeah. job? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly that would be something after retirement and all of those things. But I love the idea of like, okay, here's a month that we stay in this location, a month in this one. Because I really don't like jumping from place to place. I don't like living out of a suitcase. Um, and I am more like I like to stay in one place. And so I would love to stay in one city. And then, yes, you can do on little side trips, but to, to spend a month at a time. That sounds amazing. That's now my goal. So great. Daughter like mother again. Perfect. All right, Mama Mia. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. I It feels like every other day where I'm calling you on my hot girl walk in the morning to talk about travel or some kind of planning. Absolutely. And it, it's just fun to see you planning so much travel and enjoying it so much because it's something that, you know, we've enjoyed doing together, you know, your whole life. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I love you so much. Thank you again for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And I'm so I'm super excited about this new adventure for you. Thanks, mom. You're welcome. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning into OOO today. Don't forget to follow me at Sunshine and Softness on Instagram and TikTok and Lavi Travel Co. on Instagram. Visit lavitravelco.com to book your next trip. And remember, life is too short to eat bad food on vacation. If you have the urge to go out and book a trip after listening today, just say Lavi. We'll see you next week. <laughs>